And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Pastor Al Baker. He's an ordained minister. He's been in the gospel ministry for well over 35 years, and he's uh, currently in Birmingham, Alabama, as an evangelist with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. And he's also the author of a number of books. Um, At one point, Al, you were up here in the Northeast because you were the organizing pastor of Christ Community Presbyterian Church in West Hartford. And uh, you've also been involved in foreign missions to Central South America, uh, Africa, India, Great Britain, Europe, Japan, Indonesia, and uh, you travel a lot in the United States, uh, preaching in churches and in streets. And uh, I don't know, but um, I'm feeling that now, maybe more than ever, (laughs) at least in my lifetime, the time is ripe for a mighty revival in these United States. And I'm wondering if you could get us started and just talk about the need first that that you're seeing as you minister. Yes, Dan, thank you. It's great to be with you again. Um, I was talking with some people yesterday, and I feel like our nation right now is in free fall. Um, I think we're more divided and in greater trouble than we've been in 50 years. This, this right now, this reminds me of 1968, and I'm old enough to remember that. I was in high school at the time, but, uh, you know, in January of 68, there was the Tet Offensive that just awakened everybody. It's the Vietnam War. It's like, well, we're, this is big trouble. That's when it really uh, became obvious to people. And then, of course, in April, Martin Luther King was assassinated, and there were burning buildings everywhere. Washington, within a block or two of the White House, was was burning. And then, of course, in uh, June, Bobby Kennedy was assassinated. And then in August, at the Chicago uh, National Democratic Convention in Chicago, uh, Mayor Daley brought in his uh, his police, and it's just brutal. The, the 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 demonstrations, the the beatings, and so forth. It was an awful, awful time, and. I see I see parallels today, but here's the good news. You look back to the 1960s, and I've often said, how did we make it out of the 60s? <laughs> uh, we don't have time to, to document all of that, but, but anybody can just do a little cursory reading of history. Perhaps some of your listeners were, you know, were living at that time can remember it. And I say, how did we get out of that? Well, the, the answer to that question is revival. Mm. Uh, Chuck, yeah, Chuck Smith, who was a pastor in Southern California, I saw these hippies, and he said, I don't like these people. And his wife said, well, why don't you evangelize? <laughs> <laughs> so he started, he started going out and witnessing to these hippies, and thousands of them were converted, and he would baptize them in the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> I actually have a friend, I have a friend whose wife, is from Atlanta, and she was a hippie, and she went out there and got saved, and, and he baptized her in the Pacific <laughs> Ocean. Now she's the pastor's wife. Isn't that neat? I mean, it was amazing, and and, uh, and it spread up to Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, and then it made its way across the United States, and even in 1972, the Southern Baptist Convention say they had the most adult professions of faith in their history. It was something like 275,000 in one year. Mm. I was converted in 1972, and and I, I, I would not say that it was on the level of the Great Awakening uh, of the 1740s, 
when about 10% of the population was converted. But there was a major, major turning to Christ at that time. And and I believe that that was uh, very, very significant. You know, there was the Explo 72 in the summer of 1972 in Dallas, and there was something like 60,000 high school and college students at this meeting. Bill Bright, Billy Graham preached, and somebody did a doctoral study recently uh, from those people who went to from South Carolina went to this thing, and something like eighty percent of those kids are have been in the ministry or missionary since that time. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, so there was a movement of God, and, and I really believe that God is going to do that again. I mean, we look at the coronavirus thing and all the deaths, and now the the, the riots in the streets and the the unjust killing of uh, Mr. Floyd up in Minneapolis, and on and on and on it goes. And uh, I just believe that, that people are going to turn to Christ in great numbers. And what we have to have, though, Dan, is we have to have prayer, and we must have evangelists going to the streets and preaching Christ across the board to whoever will listen. That's what's got to happen. Mm, amen. Now, you have been out on the streets, and frankly, that's something that most of us are deathly afraid of doing. Um, did you have fear of going out the very early um, times that you did it? How did you how did you deal with your your emotions? Yeah, it, it is daunting at first um, because I, I've always been a, a pastor and I've preached in pulpits and that's fine, but it's it's a different ball game out on the streets. But I can honestly say, once I got over, I wouldn't call it fear, but that was certainly a lot of uncertainty. Mm about what are, what are you how do you do this uh, what happens when people challenge you what happens if somebody attacks you you know how do you handle all that so yeah. i you know i would i would go a few times and kind of watch what guys were doing kind of get a feel for okay. it uh you know get get my legs under me so to speak like <laughs> you're on a on a ship you know and well, once i got that i was fine and and i can honestly t- say and i know every street preacher that i preach with no, will say the same thing there's nothing like it you, you, I never sense the presence of God as I do preaching on the streets because mm-hmm. I, you know to do it you, you you look like a fool out there, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and you you know you have to be willing to be a fool for Jesus' sake, mm-hmm. and and you're trusting Him, you're trusting Him to to you know to give you the words to say to handle objections or whatever, and uh, and the Spirit of God is with with you when you do this, and you sense His presence, so. I was preaching at an abortion clinic on Monday, as a matter of fact. Oh, my. uh, I've not done much of that, and that's really, uh, really daunting, because you know what's going on in there. They're murdering children. That's right. uh, It's it's a horrible thing, but uh, there was a guy there that, that, uh, this is in Montgomery, Alabama, there was a guy there that goes every day, Monday through Friday, from about 7.30 in the morning to about noon, every Monday through Friday he's out there. Mm. Usually by himself. The other day there was about ten of us out there, but he's usually by himself. He's a faithful man. He is, no question. Uh, so, so, but I and I, I want I want people to be encouraged. Yes, we're in trouble in this country, big trouble. Um, but I believe that God can do a great work here, and it's also important that we remember that um, God is doing an amazing work all over the world. Um, I go to. Uh, a country, uh, I'm not going to mention it because there's a lot of persecution, and I go there quite a bit, but there's a, there's a nation 
in Asia where I go regularly that has uh, that's having you know thirty thousand conversions or so a day. Really? Uh, yeah, and it's it's just an amazing movement of God. And every time I go there, we baptize fifteen or twenty adults coming out of a, a former religion into into Christianity. That's wonderful. Praise and the so, Lord for uh, that. Yeah, and so there's there's great evidence of that all over the world. And uh, Christ said he would build his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That means the gates of hell uh, uh, can't stand against what Christ <laughs> is doing. And, and furthermore, you know, uh, Habakkuk said, the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Yes, yes. So uh, and then you look at Europe, and Europe is in big trouble. And you know they turned away from they've been turning away from Christ for many many years, and yet uh, the Holy Spirit could come on Europe and change it in an instant. Uh, we yes. pray that He will, but what, whether He does or not, He is continuing to build His church, and there are millions of people every year coming to faith in Jesus Christ all over the world. Mm. Now you have been around um, to various places in this world, and. We mentioned them in the uh, intro. Um, are, this, are the needs similar when you meet people? Are their spiritual needs similar to what we see here in the States? Yes. I mean, people, people are the same everywhere in every culture. They have the same needs. They have the same desires. They have the same fears. Of course, their cultures are different. Their languages are different. Their customs are different. But... Um, they're the same. I have one funny story about this. When I was many years ago, when my oldest son was about 14, he was a typical pubescent 14-year-old. <laughs> and uh, I was preaching in Uganda, and I was, I was preaching to about three or 400 seventh and eighth grade kids. And uh, after I got through preaching, there were some high school kids singing, uh, doing some singing. And I'm not a musician, but I even knew they were bad. Uh, they, just, <laughs> they just weren't very good at all. And these, these 13 and 14 pubescent Ugandan kids started laughing at them. And I said, that's what, that's what kids in America would do when they're 13 or 14. When you're a little older, you feel a little embarrassed for them. You, you wouldn't laugh. You know, sure. you're young, you don't even know. But the 13 or 14, they started laughing at them. I thought, that's exactly what my son's <laughs> friends would be doing that's if right. they were here. That's right. And so, my, you know, just the point is, is that people are the same everywhere, but again... Um, you know, their needs uh, manifest themselves in different ways. Yeah. Uh, I talk sometimes about, you know, when people say, well, my kids are not going to be able to go to their camp this summer because of COVID-19. I say, well, that's a first world problem. You know, that's not a third world. They're not third world. They're not even worried about that. Mm -hmm. yes. But nonetheless, um, people have, have the specific, basically the same needs everywhere. Now, um, one of the things I've noticed about the ministry you're involved with Pastor Al, and today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker, an, an ordained minister, and he's with Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship. He His operation is based in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, he was up here in the Northeast for a while. And Pastor Al, one big thing I've noticed is your insistence on prayer and and beseeching God for his basically Holy Spirit power in in your ministry, can you can you describe a little bit of what what you guys do as as you 
pray, basically, and ask God for help. Yeah, well, I, uh, I, Dan, as you know, I, I lead these revival prayer weekends around the country, and what I try to do is to get churches to see what they should, what they, I think what they know in their minds, but perhaps not deep in their hearts, and that is, unless the Holy Spirit shows up, nothing is going to happen. Amen. And uh, because because people are, you know, Paul says in Romans 3, none understand, none seek for God, all have turned aside, there's none righteous, not even one. Paul, and he's in Ephesians 2, he says they're dead in the trespasses and sins. When somebody's dead, they're not hungry, they're not thirsty. And so people who are spiritually dead don't want Jesus, they don't want anything of God, so the Holy Spirit's got to awaken them. He's mm. got to show them their need, and I can't make that happen. Nobody can. That's why we're absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit. Right. And so what we have to do is pray and ask for the Spirit's anointing and His power. And uh, the Holy Spirit, according to John 16, uh, convicts the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Mm. And so we have to start with prayer. And actually, when we were in Connecticut, uh, I told our people the first time we were together, I said, listen, 1% of Connecticut is evangelical. Uh, we're in West Hartford, which is extremely liberal, and, um, uh, atheistic, and so forth. I said, they're not buying what we're selling. Mm-mm. So we we got to pray. And we, we really earnestly prayed. Uh, I, can, I don't have time to go into it, but we spent a lot of time in prayer every week. And then we started going out and training our people to do evangelism. And we went, we went uh, into Blue Black, to Blueback Square in uh, West Hartford, a very fashionable area. We did survey evangelism. We did door-to-door evangelism. Um, and so, uh, you know, God really, really blessed that work. And we saw conversions, but we had to pray. And what it did was it actually it gave our people confidence. Because I said, I said, listen, we go out there, somebody's going to be open. We don't know who they are, but we've been praying for that. So right. he's going to lead us to people who are open. It might only be one out of a hundred, but there's somebody out there, and you look for them. That's right. That's okay. And, uh, you bet. And you, and you seize that opportunity. And, and so that's what we did. And that's what I try to tell churches. And I said, I said listen, this is hard work. It's not, there's nothing easy about this. Mm-hmm. But this is yeah. this is how this is how the apostles did it. That's how Jesus did it. Mm-hmm. Jesus set up his ministry, his early Galilean ministry, Matthew chapter four, in Capernaum, which was on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we now know there are about 150 little towns and villages within a one to two one to two days walk from Capernaum. And Matthew tells us that Jesus hit every one of them. Wow! It took him about about a year to do it. Mm. And he's walking to every one of these places, and he's proclaiming himself to be Messiah. And when Paul went into an area, he didn't, you know, as I say, he didn't join a, a Gold's Gym and get a get a membership and work <laughs> out with people for about a year, but then, then finally get around to telling them who he was. No, he went at it immediately, as did the apostles. That's how we have to be. We got to, you know, always say, not what would Jesus do, what did Jesus do? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. he went about preaching the kingdom, he discipled, he cast out demons, and he healed people of diseases. So there's got to be evangel- evangelism, and from that there's got to be discipling, and by all means we need to be involved in mercy ministry, helping the weak, the poor, the needy, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But we lead with evangelism, and we disciple people, hoping, helping them to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ. Yeah. There's a, 
reference in Matthew, you mentioned Matthew, and just a little bit earlier before the Matthew, I mean a little bit later after the Matthew 4 uh, section, um, there's a place where Jesus refers to, the he, he's giving parables. He refers to the mustard seed, uh, the leaven and the loaf. Um, how how should those parables encourage us as we work for him? Well, he says the the kingdom of God is, is like a mustard seed. Um, a mustard seed's very small and uh, seemingly insignificant, uh, and yet it can produce a large plant. And so it is with our individual work. Um, everybody can be a faithful servant of Christ, and everybody can open their mouths. And not everyone's an evangelist, not everyone's a preacher, of course, but simply um, every day asking Jesus to give us an opportunity to make his name known, even if it's just in passing to someone, and to love people and to, men- and to show kindness to people um, and just respect people. You know, they're made in the image of God. And treat the store clerk with dignity, uh, your waiter, your waitress with dignity and honor and uh, when you're at a checkout line in the store, look people in the eye, the checkout uh, person, and say, how are you today? Hmm. Uh, uh, just, just gentleness and kindness. And those little, those little things are like little mustard seeds, and, hmm. and they grow and they develop over time. And, and we just have to constantly be at it every day and, uh, and, and say, Lord, would you just lead me to people who are open and and whether they're open or not, I'm going to be kind to them. I'm going to be gracious to them. And um, I think that all of us can do that. And so it's it's seemingly insignificant. And uh, we may not see any of those people uh, actually come to faith or join our churches. But we don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. We might not see that person again. But you, you know, down the road, you might you might have been one link in the chain that eventually brought that person to faith, and you may never know it. That's right. I remember when we were I remember we were in Atlanta, Georgia, a number of years ago. We got to know several of our neighbors, and we were witnessing to them. And I remember one of the neighbors was very offended by uh, our telling them about Christ. And about seven or eight years later, after we'd moved away, they found where we were, wrote us a letter, and said, "Yeah, you know, we." We want you to know that we were sort of offended. Of course, I said, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> but, but then they said, but we want you to know that we're now Christians. We appreciate you speaking That's to wonderful. Us. That's wonderful. You know, yeah. it's yeah. It, re, it brings back a thought. It just occurred to me. When I was a boy, um, I think it was before I professed faith in Christ, I was in a little Sunday school, a little tiny, tiny church. But they gave me a little, little present, little gift, and it was... Um, it was like a tie tie clasp holder, and it had a little mustard seed in it that rolled uh-huh. around in there. Yeah. And it was a reminder yeah. Yeah. of how small this thing was, and yet something great could mm-hmm. could come from that yeah. little mustard seed. Um, That's right. Today we're talking with Pastor Al Baker. Uh, he's involved in revival preaching, in revival prayer meetings. And Al, what about that church planter that's out there? You've gone through that. Uh, you were the organizing pastor for a church in West Hartford. Um, that's got to get discouraging at times. Did you ever experience discouragement in your church planting work? 
Yeah, usually every Monday morning. Uh, <laughs> I say, what am I doing? Yeah, you know, what am yeah. I doing here? You know, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I had I had a nice situation down in St. Simon's Island, Georgia. What am I doing up here? These are Yankee <laughs> people, man. I got I got that's I got right. The culture. Us Yankees are awful <laughs> unfriendly at times. Let me tell you. Yes. Yeah. But uh, but really, it's first of all. It's a calling, and faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. Amen. And I think I think that we, you know, a, a church planter needs some encouragement. I had some wonderful brothers in West in Connecticut that I met with re- regularly, um, and prayed with, and fellowship with, mm. and that was a great encouragement. And uh, you know, you need people like that who will really be a sounding board and, and encourage you, and so forth. But I think that it's you just have to stay at the work, and um, I honestly believe too that that every pastor, while he may not be an evangelist, Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. So I always tell pastors, find you a fishing hole, and uh, it might be uh, <laughs> a local mall, or it might be a, a, you know a physical rehab center, might be a college campus, but spend an hour or two every week in your fishing hole, and uh, and talk to people about their souls. Figure out a way to, you know, engage them in conversation about the gospel. And that will keep you on the cutting edge. Mm. Uh, because it's very easy for pastors to get just caught up in the very important work of pastoring a church, the counseling, the sermon preparation, the teaching, the administration, the visiting of uh, people in the church and the hospital and so forth. And I'm not in any way taking anything away from those things. No. But he needs to find a, he needs to find an hour or two every week to go to that place and just witness to people. And it can it what it does is it gives them a burden for souls. He he begins yeah. to realize these people really have needs, and you know we know Jesus can meet their needs, but they're maybe rejecting the message. But uh, it just gives them a, a, you know, a real life situation. They see how people really are and mm. their struggles and so forth. So, I think that's important. But um, uh, again, in all of these things, he's he's got to pray and he's got to he's got to maintain his walk. When I with the Lord, when I was director of the Alabama Church Planting Network, I would meet with these guys, everybody together once a month, and everybody sing individually, you know, more than that. But I would say to them, listen, guys, you've got to dig the well deeply. You've got to you've got to spend time in the Word. You've got to saturate your mind and your heart with the Word of God. Memorize it, read it, meditate on it, and um, and pray. And when you do, as the wells deepened, then when you're in ministry, God, by the Holy Spirit, will bring up that Word that's in your heart. It's deep down in the well, and He'll bring it up. He'll give it to you when you need it. But you've got to know the word before you can do that. Yeah, amen. so uh, it's a, it's a tough work, but I, but God can give them grace if He's called them to do it. Uh, amen. Well, Pastor Al, this is an honor to be able to talk with you today. I'm thinking there may be someone out there that's listening who would like to get in touch with you. Perhaps they're um, they're a pastor and they'd like to have a uh, weekend <laughs> revival prayer meeting, and uh, maybe even invite you in, um, how would they go about contacting you? I think the easiest way is to uh, just reach out to me on email. Uh, my email address, is, this is all lowercase, it's 
al.baker, that's A-L dot B-A-K-E-R, 1952 at gmail.com. Okay. That'd be the easiest way, and I'd love to speak with anybody. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll put that on our website when we post this. And uh, well, thank you very much. It's it's always a lot of fun to talk with you. And you mentioned your wife. I'm assuming that uh, she's a a very important partner as you go about the Lord's business here, and and she probably helps you a great deal. Oh, no doubt about it. If we had uh, if we had another hour or two, I could tell you some amazing stories of her <laughs> and her evan- her evangelistic work. She's got incredible stories, uh, really amazing. It's really neat. And uh, so, yeah, so she's been a great blessing, no doubt. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today, and um, may the Lord bless your work and prosper it. And um, may that mustard seed grow to a great tree, as it were, and that the birds of the air flock to, uh, and many people come to Christ. We, we look forward to this. We have a great need for revival here in America right now. May the Lord send us that, and we need to be praying towards that end. Pastor Al, thank you for joining us. Great, Dan. Thanks so much, and God bless you, and I look forward to speaking with you again. And dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.